Hey guys, welcome back to another edition of the Inside Scoop. I'm David Owen. Did you know it might be possible for your student to attend a school outside of your normal attendance zone? Maybe you think another school would be a better option for your student, or maybe you just want one closer to where you commute. Here to discuss this option is Cobb's Director of Policy and Planning, Mr. Daryl York. Daryl, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you, David. Appreciate it. Let's start with the very basics with school attendance. We can't just pick any old school in Cobb and go to it. People move into school attendance zones for a reason. Can you explain how all of that works? Sure. So, you know, where the county is large as ours and where the population is large as ours, uh, we have specific attendance zones for each of our schools. Um, And those are based on geographical area, ease of transportation, uh, a a lot of things behind that. Uh, The board uh, does establish a policy that students will attend the school in their established attendance zone. Mm -hmm unless they are granted permission under certain federal, state, or local laws and rules that we may have. And so uh, we start really with those attendant zones uh, that are developed, again, based upon population, based upon uh, location of the school, (laughs) location of property that we have available to build a school, uh, if we were to build a new one. (laughs) Um, And and there are times when uh, a person's house is actually closer to a different school than they're zoned for. Yeah. But because of the uh, compactness of the the homes around those areas, those lines look a little odd. Trying to get a certain number of, of families within each zone, and, and that's why that happens, maybe? Yeah, and of course, as new developments come along, you, you have to take a look at those, and, and we, we don't make attendance zone changes lightly. Uh-huh. Uh, if one is made, it's, it's because of the building of a new school, or one school has just become so overcrowded because of new developments in that area. Yeah. Uh, you know, where, where people are living in Cobb today, may not be where people are living in Cobb five <laughs> years from now. And so yeah. although they can be fluid, uh, we rarely make changes uh, unless absolutely necessary. How do you attend a school other than the school you're scoped out to attend? There are, uh, there are a couple of different ways that that might happen. Uh-huh. We have some very specific instructional educational programs for special education students or students who are speakers of other languages where we may not have those targeted programs in every school in the county. Okay. And so some students may be assigned to a different school based upon the needs in their special education IEP or okay. their ESOL program. Yeah. So that's that's one way that children may attend a school other than their zone like four, school. Like four specific resources offered. Correct. By. Okay. Correct. Uh, the other at the high school level is our magnet program. Mm-hmm. And we have a variety of magnet programs spread throughout the county. And that's a program where a child would apply when they're in middle school to attend a magnet high school. Mm-hmm. And if approved, then they would be attending a school other than their locally zoned school. Right. We have magnet programs for performing arts, medical sciences. Uh, oh, all the things. Yeah, no, I mean, that's not my area, but uh, <laughs> I know we have a, a variety of those magnet programs. And, and then there's also CETA, which is technically not a magnet. <laughs> this is also very confusing, folks. I'm so sorry it's like that, but that's why we're having this podcast, is to help sort this out. All right. So, and by the way, if you want to know more about CETA, there's a podcast on that. Go look it up. We'll <laughs> love to have you listen to that one. All right. So specific to this time of year, there is this thing called school choice. Tell us what that is. Well, David, we have a variety of um, 
school choice options where uh, we really call those permissive transfers, where you're seeking permission to transfer your child to a different school. Mm -hmm. Those are based uh, primarily on some state laws that we have. One such state law is our children of employee transfer, that as an employee of a district, one of the benefits is that you can transfer a child to uh, your child to the school where you work. That's what the state law says. We expand that a little bit and allow employees to transfer children to uh, schools within their uh, feeder pattern of where they work. I mean, it's a little, uh-huh. but that is a employee benefit, but it's still considered a student transfer. Yeah, that's a nice perk. Well, I mean, it, it is one of the, the employee benefits, you know, kind of like insurance. You have to qualify for it, yeah. uh, and, and there are certain criteria there. Um, but, f- you know, for the general public, then we also have a school choice program, again, based on a state law that uh, a parent can request their child to attend a school other than their locally zoned school. And there are a few caveats behind that, um, but that's generally what we know as school choice. Does Cobb have, we usually Cobbify things, right? Right. (laughs) So how does Cobb repurpose that so that it's most beneficial to Cobb parents and students? Well, one area that the state law says that we have to accept uh, applications for two weeks Uh for the following school year. That's not Uh, very long. We actually open that up for an entire month to give parents a lot more time to research the school, um, to apply for schools. Uh, The state law doesn't say anything about choices, but we give parents three choices. You, you can list up to three schools you would like to attend uh-huh. other than your zone school. Uh, so there are a lot of things that we kind of do above and beyond the minimum requirements there. Yeah. Uh, but uh, again, basically, as long as a school has room to accept additional students, then they are available choices. Okay. So you kind of touched on this, but how does the whole, whole process work? As we begin this process every year, we look at current enrollment data, enrollment trends. Uh, we, we base everything on the data that we see. And so we determine how many seats may be available at each school for the next school year. Okay. Um, that's, and again, that's based on past data, current enrollment, and to some extent, yes, we're projecting what happens next year. But we will post for parents a list of every school that's available and how many seats are available, and okay. we do that every February. So at the very beginning of February, you can go to that web page. You can see every school that's available for the next school year and the number of seats available. And then the parent can look at those, say at the high school level, they can look at those schools that are available, uh, those high schools that are available, do any research they want. As you mentioned, they like, you know, their friends from the soccer team in the community, they all go to one school or they like that school, those school colors better, that school mascot. It does not matter. We don't ask why. We just make it available. And so uh, when you apply, you can apply for up to three schools. And one of the reasons that we post the numbers of seats that are available, if you look at a school and you say, okay, you know, I'd like my child to go to one of these two schools. Well, this school only has 10 seats available. This school has 100 seats available. I may have a better chance of getting in the school with 100 seats available sure. than the 10. But we try to give uh, parents as much information on that as we can. During February, we accept applications online through their Parent View account. Okay. Or if they have, uh, for elementary school children, kindergarten children coming in, if they're going to be new to Cobb, we would do that through the online registration portal. 
Okay, for and, registration for new students. For new students, okay. yes. And uh, you, you apply, you list up to three schools, and it is not first come, first serve. We accept applications for the entire month of February. Uh-huh. And then at the end, we sit down and take a look. And remember, we had that high school that only had 10 seats available, uh-huh. but we had 20 applications for those 10 seats. Mm, yeah. So we would use a, a random selection process where we would then uh, choose 10 of those 20 names. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is completely random. Um, and then those students are um, provided the opportunity to accept that transfer. If one of those children doesn't accept, through that random selection process, we kind of prioritize the names. So number 11 on the list now gets a chance to come okay. in. Okay, so you're the runner-up, you, you get your shot. Correct, so we create a waiting list yeah. for all those who apply. We also go, forward, go, go further in if you did not get your first choice school, mm-hmm. we will then uh, have a random selection process for seats that may still be available for your second choice school. Or your third choice school. So it's conceivable that you could be that number 11 or number 12, in other words, on the waiting list. Mm -hmm. But you are also offered, perhaps, your second choice. In other words, you are not locked in once you ask to go to a school or a second school or a third school. Correct. I'll even take that a little further. Uh, If you're on the waiting list for your first choice, Mm -hmm. but you are selected for your second choice, even if you accept that second choice selection, mm-hmm. you still remain on the rating list for your first choice. Oh, you're not taken off. No. So between February and mid, well, actually it's at the end of June, um, if that seat becomes available, we'll give you the option. You can still come back to your first choice school. You know, we talked about that random selection process. Mm-hmm. For parents who give me three choices, the uh the, the selection process puts us in the mid to upper 90%. If you only put one school and say, I'm going to transfer to this school or no school at all, that can drop to the low, <clears throat> pardon me, the low 80s, 70% uh, of those students usually get placed. But wow. uh, if you're willing to have some options, then uh, we're, we're usually pretty good at being able to accommodate those requests. You mentioned February is when all of this happens. Is there a, a, a window that people need to be aware of now so they could begin looking at school options and, and kind of planning how they might approach this? Because we want to get as accurate and up-to-date data as possible. We hold till February where we'll post all that information. And on that website, the list of schools, how to apply, uh, the conditions for transfer, all of that information is there. And they can go ahead and start reading up on all of that at this particular point. If a parent inadvertently applies for the wrong one, we review every application by hand to make sure that they've got they've applied for the correct transfer okay and again show notes show notes show notes (laughs) all right so uh, you mentioned conditions for transfer all right did you just slip something in there do i need to well we we do have some expectations for students who are on transfer such as so once you're approved for a transfer and you're attending a school uh one of the caveats behind this and this is in the state law Parents must provide their own transportation for students who are on transfer. Ah, So you're not eligible for a school bus. Mm -hmm. Therefore, appropriate attendance is now a caveat to continue your transfer. 
because if your parent can't work the trans- transportation out mm-hmm. and you're constantly tardy or late to school or anything like that, uh, then that is a basis that a principal could revoke your transfer down the road. Wow. Because it's not educationally sound for you to come to school late all the time. Yeah. Um, we do expect transfer students, uh, as we would any student, but um, attendance, behavior, academic progress, a cooperative school-parent relationship. Uh, As long as we have uh, that that positive relationship going, then the transfer will continue. If there are issues, a principal is going to be in communication with the family to say, hey, look, attendance is not where it needs to be. You need to beef that up a little bit, or we're going to have to look at having your child go to their locally attended uh, zone school, they can catch the school bus, that kind of thing. Right. And, and this is also a distinction from the, uh, the magnet programs where they do provide transportation for those programs. This is different. You are responsible for your own, own Correct. Okay. Even magnet schools have very limited transportation. It's oh, yeah. not door to door. Right. Uh, but, f- you know, because remember, we do our school choice program based on the state law as our foundation. And it's clear that parents must provide their own transportation. OK, so uh, I, I got a curveball to throw at you. <laughs> Sorry. It's all right. <laughs> so what if you've got um, siblings? You got a pair of twins. No, not twins. You, you got a brother and a sister a year apart, and one of them ages out to the next level, like going from elementary school to middle school. Where do you end up? I mean, how does that all work? So you may not understand this, but you, you've asked me about three questions in one. Right. Once you are approved, as long as there's not an issue with behavior, attendance, right. academics, you will continue on transfer through the highest level of that school. So okay. if you are approved as a fifth grade, excuse me, as an elementary school student, right. you're going to get to stay through fifth grade. Okay. You do not have to reapply each year. You have to reapply when you move to a new level. So elementary school children moving to middle school, mm-hmm. middle school to high. Right. And staying in that same transfer feeder pattern is not guaranteed. It's all based upon, does the middle school have room? Availability. That's right. Does the high school have available room? So to begin with, once you're approved, you stay for that entire level, but you do have to reapply. One area that we've gone far beyond state requirements is with the area of siblings. So if a parent has one child already attending a school on an approved transfer, Mm -hmm. they can apply for a sibling transfer for a younger sibling to join that child. The younger sibling will automatically be approved for that same school. That's very helpful because what that says is you you don't have to go through the randomized selection process. You automatically qualify. Correct. But remember, we want to use the most accurate data as possible when we get to the February school choice. So one thing parents need to understand, that sibling process starts in January. So we can make sure that we assign all the siblings correctly before we determine how many seats are still available for other students in February. Okay. So again, David, program notes, Pod notes, whatever you call them, show notes, show notes, show notes. Come Sorry. on, <laughs> show notes. Please go to the website and read up because when you look at the school choice webpage, it's going to differentiate between what we call sibling transfers mm-hmm. 
And the school choice transfers are named after the uh, state law that created them. Their House bill or HB 251 transfers Sounds like is what reading. we normally refer to them as. Yeah. Um, but we do these in stages so that we can make sure that we provide, uh, we gather the most accurate data so we can provide parents uh, the best options available. And the reason you have to start those early is because obviously they need continuity before any new seats are opened up. Correct. Okay. And one of the reasons that we do this in January, February, it, it, it also helps the district because once we can determine movement of students for the fall, uh-huh. that helps us with the process of starting the hiring process for the fall, allotment of teachers. And yes, it does seem early. But the benefit for parents is that we don't have to wait till the fall to see who shows up and perhaps have to remove a teacher from your child's school to reassign them somewhere else. Yeah. So, yes, it seems early to do this in January and February for next August. Yeah. But to prepare a variety of things, enrollments, teacher allotments, teacher sure. you know, contracts, that kind of thing. It's very helpful to do this early. So we've got, again, the data that we need for the fall. And the main thing we want to do for all the students to be able to have success is have them have continuity. Yes. It's very important for students to have, for example, in elementary school, one teacher instead of having who knows who tomorrow, right? Right. Okay. So how many how many students or how many applications do you typically get each year? I mean, is this something where you get 50 or do you get hundreds? Usually we will process around 3,000 requests every year. 3,000? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Um, but, but again, that may be uh, based upon the uh, children of employee benefit that we provide or uh-huh. the school choice. Um, and, you know, parents are free to apply. Uh, hopefully we can help accommodate. As I said, if you, if you work with us and give us up to three choices, then the, the chances go up uh, a great deal. Um, but parents have their own personal reasons for asking for a different school. Yeah, and that, sure. That's fine with us. Yeah. Uh, if, if we can accommodate, um, the law require the, the law specifies that we are not uh, we are not required to add additional teachers or add additional, you know, portable classrooms to accommodate that. So we have to take a look at permanent classrooms and that kind of thing. Uh-huh. Um, but um You know, I I think we have developed a system that goes far beyond the minimum expectations from the state Uh and and provide opportunities for parents who would like to take advantage of that. Well, folks, we have been listening to the very knowledgeable and very (laughs) detail-oriented Director of Policy and Planning, Mr. Daryl York. Daryl, thank you so much for for coming in and and, uh, helping us understand uh, what could be a very difficult topic for people to to perceive properly, Mm -hmm. right? So, uh, folks, again, to learn more about this, make sure you check out those show notes. We'll have links in there for all of the things that were mentioned. And uh, give yourself some time to to kind of absorb what we've discussed today, because these things are very important to the uh, success of your student. That's why we're here. We want to help everybody in the Cobb School succeed. If you enjoy being a source for truthful, accurate information for your friends and family, make sure you subscribe or follow this podcast. If you learn something new, give us a like and a review. We always appreciate that. Thank you for joining us on this edition of the Inside Scoop, a podcast produced by the Cobb County School District.